Let's take our Bibles, please. We'll turn to Judges. Uh, I want to look at the end of chapter 20 quickly. We, we didn't finish the chapter. I gave you kind of the, the idea, the synopsis of the end, but I want to just look at a portion of that quickly and then uh, jump in and try to finish up in chapter 21 tonight. Also, I neglected to mention on Sunday, to give you an update on the painting, the exterior painting that uh, was completed here at the church and at the house. Everything is done and looks pretty good, so praise God for that. That's a praise. We're grateful for that. So uh, it's, uh, well, portions of both sides here and doors downstairs and around the back and some exterior work up at the house also. Praise God that we're able to be good stewards of this beautiful property is what I wrote on Facebook, and well, praise God. That's a good praise. Uh, let's go ahead and bow our heads, and we'll open in prayer. Father, I thank you tonight, Lord, for uh, blessing this church as you have so very abundantly. Lord, I thank you tonight for meeting our needs and uh, enabling us to be good stewards of this building, uh, the property, the house. Lord, we're grateful. I'm grateful, and I thank you, Father, for providing uh, for our needs uh, through the giving of your people. Lord, thank you uh, for the generosity and obedience of your people. I pray you bless each one. Now, Father, as we look tonight into Judges 20 and 21, I pray, Father, that we see those things, those principles, those lessons that we may take from uh, this history, Lord, and apply uh, to our lives uh, even today. Lord, help us to see the things that you would desire us to see and to make the applications that you desire. Lord, I love you tonight. Thank you so very much for our salvation, for our church, and for thy words. Help us now tonight, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're here in Judges 20 now. Uh, remember the last three chapters of the book here, uh, chapters 19, 20, 21, deal with the the wickedness that we saw the men of Geboa uh, carry out. By the way, uh, I was reading this week just a little bit more about these passages, and I, I was uh, reminded that uh, Hosea makes two references to the account that we see here, Hosea 9.9, Hosea 10.9. Uh, Hosea refers back to the, the wickedness uh, that we've seen in, in Gebeah and the consequences of that. Uh, really as a warning to the people of his day. Hey, remember uh, the wickedness that was carried out then uh, and the consequences uh, that the Lord allowed because of the wickedness uh, of those people. And of course, there's a great consequence that we see here tonight. Now, remember that we've seen the nation, really 11 of the tribes, launch two separate attacks um, at the Benjamites, right? Uh, ben Benjamin was the, the tribe that occupied the, the territory that included Gebeah, and so the people wanted some revenge. Uh, by the way, did you ever want revenge against someone? You ever, were you ever at a place where you wanted revenge, <laughs> Marilyn? We probably have all felt that way, right? Uh, we see here, and we'll see tonight, you know, terrible consequences of revenge-seeking. What's better, what's better, what's more biblical, what's more godly, and Christ-honoring than seeking revenge against someone yourself. Zach, do you have a thought about that? What would be more better than seeking revenge? I may have asked you the same thing last week. 
Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Better just to pray it over to God's hands, right, and say, uh, Lord, help me to be godly in my response and uh, just to put it in your hands. And if there's vengeance to be had, uh, Lord, you, you carry that out. Remember, he has a far greater strength and power and authority to mete out any vengeance that's uh, deserved that, than we ever could. So, uh, Lord, help us. Lord, help us to see the the consequences of angry revenge-seeking here tonight and to uh, stand guard against that, to, to turn things over to you, Father, and, and leave things uh, in your hands. So uh, again, we've seen the people, the 11 tribes, carry out two attacks against the Benjamites. Thousands of people uh, have been killed in those two attacks. Uh, finally, the people come back and they seem to be a little bit more genuine uh, after two failures, a little bit more genuine in seeking the Lord. Lord, what would you have us to do? Uh, not just, hey, should we go now or who should go first? But Lord, what would you have us to do? Remember, they, they take time to worship and uh, to kind of seek God, not kind of, they sought God and, uh, and, and what would he have them to do? And the Lord said, yep, you should go a third time. And he said, now I will give the victory. And Gary, the Lord is the one who gives victories, amen? He's the one that gives victories. And so here in chapter 20 and verse 29, they, the people launched the third attack, having kind of really properly sought the Lord. Uh, they, they launched the third attack. They, they use a strategy that's similar to what was used back in I, remember AI. Uh, basically, they lure people out of the city uh, and then they, they attack them and others come in behind them and, and launch an attack against the city. It's similar. Verse 29 says, Israel set liars in wait about Gebeah. Children of Israel went up against the children of Benjamin on the third day and put themselves in array against Gebeah. Uh, as at other times. Now, I'm not going to read every one of these verses tonight. I want to give you more of a summary here tonight. If you've not read it, please take care that you do. But you see here initially 30 Israelites are killed, uh, and the Benjamites, they get a little cocky. You know, they've had two victories. They say, well, you know, we've, we've defeated the tribes that came against us before. Uh, they, they kill 30 Israelites. They figure that, well, we must have them again. And uh, they, they assume incorrectly. They assume that the same strategy that was used the first two times will be used or employed the third time. Uh, that gets them in trouble. Uh, verse 34, uh, we see here 10,000 men from all Israel attacked the Benjamites. Uh, and then in verse 35, see this please, and the Lord and the Lord, he's the actor now, he's the one who's working through the tribes to mete out judgment against uh, Benjamin, but specifically the, the, the city of Gebeah. The Lord smote Benjamin, the tribe, before Israel, and the children of Israel destroyed all the Benjamites that day, 20 and 5,000 uh, and an hundred men, so 25,100, all these drew the sword, so soldiers that came against uh, the, the 11 tribes. Uh, so the children of Benjamin, verse 36, saw that they were smitten for the men of Israel gave place to the Benjamites because they trusted unto the liars in wait, uh, which they had set before Gebeah. So remember, they had troops that were hidden. The hidden troops come out. That's verse 37. Uh, there's a secret signal they use, verse 38. If you come down to verse 43, the Benjamites are overwhelmed. 
Thus they enclosed the Benjamites round about and chased them and trod them down with ease over against Gebeah toward the sun rising. Uh, there's 18,000 Benjamites that get killed here, verse 44. There fell of Benjamin 18,000 men. Uh, verse 45, they turned and fled toward the wilderness unto the rock of Ramon. Ramon, remember that, the rock of Ramon. And uh, they gleaned of them in the highways, 5,000 men. So 5,000 are taken in the highways. They pursued hard after them unto uh, Gedom and slew uh, 2,000, another 2,000. Uh, are killed. Verse 46, so that all which fell that day of Benjamin were 20 and 5,000 men that drew the sword, uh, all men of valor. Now see verse 47, but, but, so there's more to the story, but 600 men turned and fled to the wilderness unto the rock Ramon. Uh, and abode in the rock Ramon four months. So Gary, it looks like 600 get away, right? There's thousands that were killed, uh, but 600 of them get away and flee away, and they're kind of out of the picture for a moment. Uh, what happens in verse 48, I don't think is really God's intention here. God wanted clearly to give the nation uh, a victory over Benjamin. God clearly wanted there to be uh, justice carried out for the wickedness of Gibeon and for the tribe's refusal to deal with uh, those who were guilty. But I don't think it's God's intention that the entire tribe or nearly the entire tribe of Benjamin be wiped out. I think here in verse 48, you see... Uh, you see the attackers uh, who come against Benjamin get, get carried away. Verse 48 says this, The men of Israel turned again unto the children of Benjamin and smote them with the edge of the sword, as well as the men of every city uh, throughout, throughout the tribe, uh, as the beast. And all that came to hand, also they set on fire all the cities that they came to. Now, if it's not clear here, it becomes clear as we go into the next chapter that uh, they essentially wiped out the entire tribe except for 600. The 600 that fled to where? The Rock Ramon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, the Lord intended to give them a victory. There's no question. And the Lord intended that there be a judgment and consequences uh, for their, the sin of the people and the failure of the tribe to deal with the sin. Uh, but I think, I think verse 48 is the, the nation getting ahead of God's judgment and really just becoming uh, bloodthirsty in a way that was not godly or consistent with God's will at all. So picture the scene. Uh, the, the entire tribe of Benjamin is wiped out except for these 600 men, which is not much, uh, 600 men. Uh, who are left there uh, hiding, essentially, for some months uh, at the Rock Ramon. Now, let's pick it up here in chapter 21 and verse 1. Now, the Bible says here, Now, uh, the men of Israel had sworn in Mizpah, saying, There shall not any of us give his daughter uh, unto Benjamin to wife. So, evidently, before they came against uh, Benjamin, before they launched this final attack, we're not really sure when, but uh, evidently before they launched their final attack against the tribe, 
uh, they, they hastily swore a vow to each other. No matter what happens, let's agree right now uh, that, that we're, none of us are going to give our daughters over to be spouses to the Benjamite men. We're not going to do that. Uh, remember, they, they were in uh, retaliation mode, right? They were in, what was the word we used before? Revenge. They, they were in revenge mode, right? So they're going to attack them, but no matter what, they're, they're, they're looking for opportunities to have revenge however they can. No matter what the outcome, let's just agree. Let's, let's swear an oath right now that uh, we're not going to give... We're not going to give our daughters to be wives to any Benjamites from this day forward. That's it, period. Um, so they, evidently, it becomes clear that pretty much everyone, not totally everyone, but pretty much everyone was on board uh, with this vow that was made before this final attack. Now, is this going to be a problem, you think, for the tribe of Benjamin? Uh, Carol and the tribe is almost wiped out. Uh, these these revenge-seeking tribes come and essentially wipe out the tribe. But there's 600 of them left, and there's 600 what or who? What are they? 600? They're men, right? There's 600 men. Uh, if they had wives, their wives have been killed. Uh, they're probably young men. They're they're soldiers. So. Uh, it looks like there's only 600 men of the entire tribe left. There are no wives for them. Now, Gary, I wasn't a biology major, but I suspect that if some of these men don't find wives, uh, the tribe of Benjamin is going to cease to exist. Does that make sense? There's 600 men left. No, no ladies, Carol. Uh, we don't find some ladies. Somehow, uh, this tribe is going to cease to exist. Was this God's plan? I don't think this is God's plan. God wanted judgment and justice and, and all of that, and that was consistent with his word and his character. We have no problem with that. But now we're in a pretty bad place. We don't, we don't think God intended the tribe to be uh, eradicated. Uh, but the people have sworn a vow. Apparently, this hasty vow has been sworn. Have we seen a hasty vow sworn somewhere else in scripture? We have, right, with some consequences. Um, so, you know, the tribes have said, we're not giving them wives. They've, they've agreed to that, so there's an issue here. Look at verse two. The people came to the house of the Lord, a house of God, forgive me, and abode there uh, till even, till evening before God, lift up their voices and wept sore. There's a little bit of sorrow at the outcome here. Uh, they said, O God, O Lord God, O Jehovah Elohim of Israel, why is this come to pass in Israel that thou should be today one tribe lacking in Israel? <laughs> they, they're crying, they're lamenting it. Uh, how is it there's, only, there, there's a tribe lacking? There's essentially a tribe that's been uh, almost literally decimated. Well, they know how. It's because they, they went and pretty clearly went behind, beyond what God intended and essentially wiped out the tribe. Uh, they, they do seem to be remorseful. There does seem to be repentance. That's a good thing. They take time to worship God. Verse 4, it came to pass on the morrow that the people rose early and built there an altar and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. So, you know, as they did before they launched that third and final attack, uh, they're seeking the Lord. There does seem to be some remorse, uh, some repentance. They begin searching for a solution. They don't want to see this 
this tribe just gone? Eventually it would be if there's not some solution found. So uh, they begin searching for a solution. And the first thing they consider, it seems, if that they consider, uh, Brother Art, were there some maybe who didn't participate in that vow? Were there some who refrained from the vow? Were there some who didn't come to that big meeting, right, where they were trying to decide what to do about uh, Geboa and, and Benjamin? And sure enough, there were. There were some who weren't there, so they, they realized that. Verse 5, children of Israel said, Who is there among all the tribes of Israel that came not up with the congregation unto the Lord? Who didn't come? Uh, for they had made a great oath, the rest of them had made a great oath concerning uh, him that came not up to the Lord to Mizpah, saying, He shall surely be uh, put to death. So uh, evidently, if, uh, if you violated this vow, there was a death penalty. They agreed there was a death penalty that would go along with that. Verse 6, children of Israel repented them for Benjamin, their brother, and said, There is one tribe cut off from Israel this day. They're, they're sorry. They're sorry. Uh, Brother Ray, does sin, does sin have consequences often? Even after we have confessed the sin and repented of the sin and asked God you know, for forgiveness and grace to put off the sin and to put on obedience, is there still sometimes consequences that linger? Sure enough, there are. Now, these people, I believe they're truly sorrowful. I believe they're truly repenting, uh, not only their actions uh, in wiping out or nearly decimating the tribe, but also the oath that they've taken hastily. They didn't seem to seek the Lord about that, by the way. They just kind of concocted that on their own, evidently. I believe they're sorrowful about their sin, uh, and yet their sin has, has had great consequences. Uh, they say in verse 7, how shall we do for wives for them that remain? Here's the problem. Seeing we have sworn by the Lord that we will not give them of our daughters to wives. What will we do? We've well, they, they quickly realize that there's uh, one, one little portion of the people who had refrained from coming to that initial meeting and, and taking that vow. This is verse 8 and 9. They said, what one is there of the tribes of Israel? They're looking out across the tribes that came not up to Mizpah, who didn't come and take part in the vow uh, to the Lord. And behold, there came... Uh, none to the camp from Jabesh Gilead. Okay, there's a group of people who are not under this vow and the death sentence that came with violating the vow. Uh, none came to the camp from Jabesh Gilead uh, to the assembly. For the people were numbered, and behold, there were none of the inhabitants of Jabesh Gilead there. Uh, so uh, verse 10, uh, verse 10 says this. The congregation sent... Thither, 12,000 men of the valiantest, and commanded them, saying, Go and smite the inhabitants of Jabesh Gilead. Yeah, any ideas where this is going? With the edge of the sword, with the women and the children, and this is the thing that ye shall do ye shall utterly destroy every male and every woman that hath lain by man. So basically the idea is go to that place, find all the husbands and wives, all, all the males, kill all the males, and kill all their wives. If there are virgins, 
Keep them, only them. You see where this is going? They got an answer. They got a solution to their problem. They're going to go and to this place and, and kill everybody except for the young girls who might serve as wives to the 600 men who remain from Benjamin, who are where? Where are they at? The Rock Ramon. Now, this is wickedness. They're, they're going to solve their problem by going and killing more people. Why are they in this problem in the first place? Zach? Revenge. And, and, and that revenge-seeking led them into what? This like, just murderous rage. Again, God wanted there to be some, not revenge, but justice carried out. He, he did, but uh, they seemed to get far ahead of the Lord in that. And, um, you know, they've, they've killed thousands and thousands. They have a problem because of that. And so their answer is to kill more. Does that make sense? Does that seem like that would be God's answer? Uh, well, it, was seemed, it seemed logical to them, but I don't think that... By the way, is this, is this adding wickedness to wickedness? It is, right? Um, we, one of the things we've seen all the way through the book is that uh, at various times that the, the, the people descend into some degree of wickedness. Uh, we've seen individuals who will... Who will uh, basically turn from the truth and apostatize. That's a word, kind of a theme word this week, right? It will be again on Sunday. Um, and as they sort of depart further and further from the truth, they seem to have less and less discernment, and that just makes sense. Uh, and so having separated from the truth and, and possessing less discernment, that would be uh, according to the truth, they just, they, again, come unmoored, and, and, and sin begets sin, and wickedness begets wickedness, and, you know, things go from terrible to bad to horrible uh, in just a short time, just a short time. These people who, as much as they at least go through the motions of seeking the Lord, they, they are still bent on making their own decisions and coming up with their own solutions rather than taking it to God and saying, God, what do you think? What, what would you have us to do? Gary, have they sought the Lord for this plan? I don't think they have. We do see them worshiping the Lord back in verse 4, uh, but it does not. there's no indication whatsoever that God says, won't you go to that one place and kill all those families except for the virgins that they'll be wives and and you'll be able to repopulate benjamin that way don't think we see that here i just don't i think we see a people who are still bent on coming up with their own solutions and doing things their way rather than god's way uh gary is that ever going to be a good idea <laughs> uh not doing things god's way would be a much much better idea uh, so look at verse 12. They did, in fact, find a number of young virgins. Verse 12, they found among the inhabitants of Jabesh-Gilead 400 young virgins uh, that had known no man by lying with any male. Okay, that's, we understand that. And they brought them unto the camp to Shiloh, uh, which is in the land of Canaan. So they go and, you know, wiped out this place, brought the virgins uh, to Shiloh, they arrange a meeting with the 600 Benjamites. By the way, do you see a math problem here? Is there a math problem? 
math people? How many men are at the Rock Ramon? 600, and how many virgins did we grab up? 400. There's going to be an issue still. <laughs> the whole congregation sent uh, some to speak, this verse 13, to the children of Benjamin that were in the Rock Ramon and to call peaceably unto them. I wonder what they thought of that. Benjamin came, the tribe came again at that time, and they gave them wives, which they had saved alive of the women of Jabesh Gilead, and yet, so they suffered them not. So they turned over the 400 to the 600, but there's still a problem. Um, verse 15 is, um, is a good verse. People repented them for Benjamin because the Lord had made a breach uh, in the tribes of Israel. Uh, the people again express repentance. There's a, there's a degree of sorrow here at their actions and the consequences. They're still stuck with the consequences. Uh, they've, they've concocted their own plan to solve the problem here, but there's still 200 men that don't have wives. And so the elders of the tribes, they come back together again. Uh, Brother Art, they gotta solve this problem for the remaining 200 men. They gotta come up with another way. Verse 16, then the elders of the congregation said, how shall we do for wives? How are we gonna find wives for them that remain, seeing that the women are destroyed out of Benjamin? Yep, we still need 200 more wives. Verse 17, they said there must be an inheritance for them that be escaped of Benjamin, that a tribe be not destroyed out of Israel. Sure enough, we gotta preserve this tribe. Uh, verse 18, how be it, we may not give them wives of our daughters, for the children of Israel have sworn, saying, cursed be he that giveth a wife to Benjamin. Yep, that's still a problem. They had made that oath, they had sworn that uh, under penalty of death, uh, a hasty vow sworn in revenge, never gonna be uh, a good thing. Well. They come up with their own solution again. Uh, they come up with their own solution. Now, beginning in verse 19, you see their solution being described, okay? I want you to ask yourself as I read through the next verse or two or three, are they seeking God for an answer to this problem or are they still in the mode of solving the problem themselves just however creatively they can do that uh, without necessarily seeking the Lord. By the way, can you be pretty creative at times when, it, when there's a problem to solve? Can you be pretty creative at times? I'll bet most of us can. I dare say all of us could be pretty creative in coming up with our own solution to problems. Um, you know, everybody here is pretty smart. Everybody here is you know, creative up, up to some point. You can work on problems and, and solve problems. Maybe some people better than others. I don't know. But, you know, everybody here has the ability to solve problems to some extent. And so there is a prideful tendency to say, well, okay, I see a problem. Uh, I'm pretty smart. Let me figure out the answer. I can be creative. Uh, I could be smart and creative together and come up with an answer. Well, it might be a good answer. It might not be a good answer. Uh, when there's a big problem, we do well to pray big, amen, rather than start by thinking about how I, how I solve that problem. Anybody here have any problems? Anybody here have a big problem? You know, we do at times have big problems, and 
you know, the best place to begin is praying. Yeah, there's probably going to be something that we'll have to do to get out of that problem, but boy, boy, so much better to begin by praying and saying, Lord, here's my problem. I'm bringing it to you. I'm going to ask you, Lord, to help me apply some godly wisdom, uh, you know, with uh, Holy Spirit <laughs> uh, working in that and through that with me. Uh, Lord, just help me to be yielded to you as, as you kind of guide and direct my thoughts. I don't see that here. I don't see that. Verse 19, then they said, behold, there's a feast of the Lord in Shiloh. This is where tabernacle was. Yearly in a place which is on the north side of Bethel, on the east side of the highway that go up from Bethel to Shechem, and on the south side of Labona. By the way, I think this is the only place, I think it's the only place where um, Shiloh is, the, the specific location is defined, which is just interesting. Uh, it's just interesting. Verse 20, therefore they commanded the children of Benjamin. So they say, you know what? There's this, there's a celebration, uh, annual celebration at Shiloh, a feast, a feast. Uh, we don't know which one it was, uh, Feast of Tabernacles, maybe, Succoth. Uh, we're not sure, the Bible doesn't say, but they say there's this, there's this feast, this celebration coming up at Shiloh. Um, verse 20 says this, Therefore they commanded the children of Benjamin, saying, Go and lie in wait in the vineyards. You 200 guys who still need wives, when the people come together to celebrate this feast, you go hide in the vineyards, hide, duck down, and see, verse 21, behold, if the daughters of Shiloh come out to dance in dances, when they come out to celebrate, literally dancing maybe, then, then come ye out of the vineyards, come out of hiding, pop up, uh, and catch you every man his wife of the daughters of Shiloh and go to the land of Benjamin. It's a great plan, right? Uh, no. <laughs> they said, you guys go hide in the vineyards until the daughters come out. And when, you know, they're just kind of celebrating, you pop out and grab a wife and head back home. No, that's not a good plan. Would it solve the problem? Well, it might solve the problem, I guess. It might solve the problem of the 200 that don't have wives. Does it seem like a good plan? Does it seem like a godly plan? Just go catch a wife, you know, throw a net and grab her and drag her back home. Ladies, does that seem like a good plan to you? Not really, probably. Not really. You know, I understand marriage was a little bit different then. Many marriages were arranged and... Um, they had more of a practical quality than a romantic quality at times. Someone's going to say, yeah, pastor, but there's the Song of Solomon, right? I said at times, uh, but this is not okay. I mean, they're basically telling them to come and steal, uh, kidnap wives and take them back home. This is, um, this is where uh, creativity that is not... Uh, steeped in prayer with submission to the Spirit of God can become very unhinged from anything that would be godly. Uh, Lord, help us. Lord, help us to always seek 
you when there's a problem. Uh, Lord, help us to be creative in, in problem solving, sure, but guide us, direct us, help us to compare our plans to your words and the principles of your words. Uh, do, you think, do you think you could do this? If, if you've got a big problem, you've got a big problem, and you've prayed, and, uh, you know, the Lord didn't send you a personal letter other than 66 books of Scripture telling you exactly how to solve your problem, but you prayed and you began to think through how you could solve your problem, trying to be as biblical in your thinking as you can be, but you, uh, you begin to think through prayerfully how to solve your problem. You come up with a plan. What would be a good next step? I've got a problem, I've prayed, and I've, I've sort of drafted a plan, a tentative plan to solve my problem. What would be a good next step? Andrew, do you have any thoughts? Seek counsel from someone else. Um, do you have scripture for that? <laughs> I agree. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's scriptural principle of seeking counsel, right? There's. Do you have a reference, by the way? Think of anything, uh, guys? Anyone got a, a reference or verse? The safety in a multitude of counselors. That's biblical principle, right? Uh, why don't we seek counsel from others when we should? Why don't we? Pride. Pride. Did you say that up there? I think. 100%, <laughs> right? We're too prideful to obey the Lord and seek counsel when we should seek counsel. You know, you might have a good plan that's a result of prayer, and it's, you know, you look at it and say, I don't see anything overtly unbiblical about it, but boy, if it's a complicated, difficult situation, you might really do well to be biblical and seek counsel. Uh, get some input on that thing. Uh, I learned that back in the business world years ago. You know, I would come up with a solution for a client, and I thought it was great, Gary, and I was really impressed with myself. But if I would take time to get two or three other people to come and look at it, they would say, you know, this is, this is great, boss, but you know what, have you considered X, Y, and Z? And, and everything that they would add would make it, you know, that much better. Um, it's, it's pride that would prevent us from doing that. Just, just pride. Uh, is embarrassment a form of pride, do you think? I think it usually is, right? If I'm embarrassed, uh, is, it, is that pride? Zach, you're going like this. Tell me about that. You're afraid that people are going to think less of you or bad of, bad of you. That's embarrassment. And it is pride. It, it is pride. Um, you know, ha haven't all of us been in bad places? Haven't we all made big mistakes? Anybody here never made a big mistake? Anybody? Gary says, not me, Pastor. <laughs> we all have. You know, if, if we would pray and, and be biblical and seek counsel, that's the way out of those things. Of course, a lot of mistakes could be avoided if we would do that along the way, right? The mistakes that we're seeing here, these really big mistakes could have been avoided if these folks had genuinely sought the Lord and genuinely sought his plan. And, you know, when they got caught up in this uh, 
revenge-seeking rage, if they just let themselves be controlled by the Lord and guided by the Lord all the way through that final battle, and having not done that, if they had come back and said, Lord, we, we, we've clearly done wrong. I know they, they lamented their, the outcome, and, and they do seem remorseful uh, and repentant, but I don't see them seeking the Lord for a solution. I just don't. Um, and so the solutions they come up with are just as bad as everything we've seen up to this point. Verse 21, And see, behold, that the daughters of Shiloh come out to dance the dances. Then come ye out of the vineyards and catch you every man his wife of the daughters of Shiloh and go to the land of Benjamin. Now, do you think the families of those daughters might have been a problem in the equation here? You know, Brother Garcia, if I had a daughter and someone came and grabbed her up and back to wherever, Geboa or the Rock or wherever, they, I'm going to have a problem with that. So they anticipate that's going to be a problem. So they got to sell this to the people, right? So verse 22, they, they sell it. It shall be when the fathers of the brethren come unto us to complain, hey, those 200 guys stole our daughters, that we will say to them, be favorable to them for our sake, because we reserve not to each man his wife in the war. Remember, we're guilty. We went and killed their wives, and we killed the women that might have been their wives. We're all in this boat together, and they're right about that. They are right about that. We're all, we, you know, we, we are in this boat together. So remember that. And they say this, For ye did not give unto them at this time. Let me say that again. For ye did not give unto them at this time that ye should be guilty. Now, I don't know if you understand exactly what's being said there, but what would make them violate the vow that they swore under penalty of death? What, what, would, what, would, what would make them guilty of violating that vow and then be subject to death for violating their vow? Zach? giving their daughter to giving their daughter to these men would cause them to be guilty any of the families giving their daughters no they're they're just allowing them to what be taken they're getting technical with them they they they're so proud of themselves they've thought up this wonderfully uh, technically creative and proper out clause a way to satisfy the 600 men so that Benjamin can go on and, you know, their conscience is assuaged because they've not violated their vow and Benjamin won't cease to exist. Um, but it's just a wickedness. It's wickedness, right? They, they found a technical way to wiggle out of the vow, but it allows them, it requires them to allow their daughters to be stolen. By the way, if you allow something to be taken, is that not the same as giving it? Yeah, yeah. You know, if you're watching over something in a store, Zach, if, you, if you're working in the store uh, one night and, and you allow someone to come and take a printer out of the store without paying, do you do that, by the way? Do you allow people to do that? Because Gary and I will come when you're doing that. No, we won't. Uh, allowing someone to take it would be the same as giving it to them, right? Here you go. Just steal it. You know, we're having a 
buy one, steal one. Or I, I don't know, you know, I don't know. That would be the same as allowing them giving, but no, they don't see it that way. They're spinning it so that they feel like they've wiggled their way out. It's just all wickedness. It's more, it's just a total lack of discernment because they have not really yielded themselves to the Lord. Well, the Benjamites cooperate. They're very happy to come and catch a wife. Children of Benjamin did so, took them wives according to their number, and them that danced, whom they caught. Uh, and they went and returned unto their inheritance and repaired the cities and dwelt with them. And, you know, uh, the ben tribe of Benjamin was uh, repopulated. Uh, having solved their problems, everybody returns home. Verse 24, that Children of Israel departed thence at that time, every man to his tribe and to his family, and they went out from thence, every man to his inheritance. Now listen, verse 25 is the final verse of the whole book, right? And it is a pretty good summary of what we've seen. Uh, it's a pretty good summary of, of really the theme here. Um, verse 25 says this, and in those days there was no king in Israel, Right? It's the time of the judges. There's no king yet. Um, and neither are the people submitting to anyone like a king. They're not allowing God to be their king either, really. Instead, what are they doing? It's, what are they doing? What's the last half of the verse say? Every man did that which was what? Right in his own eyes. And man, we've seen that here these past several chapters. As much as they're going through the motions of seeking the Lord and worshiping him and carrying out the sacrifices and, you know, the feasts and the, these things that God has ordained, these religious things, they're really not seeking the Lord and his will and his way. And over and over and over again, it gets them in all kinds of trouble. Uh, a good simple prayer would be, Lord, help us, help us, help us to not lean upon our own understanding, <laughs> but to really seek you. Your word, principles that should guide us in our decision-making, um, help us to throw off the pride and uh, be willing to seek biblical, godly counsel from each other and, and to really just bow our hearts before you and to be led of you. Think God would like to hear that kind of a prayer tonight? Let's pray just that. Let's bow our heads, please. Father, I pray tonight that the things that we've seen here throughout this book are, that they not just be dusty old stories in the Old Testament, but, but Lord, very real.